Welcome to Every Moment His. This sermon was preached from the pulpit at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and we pray that you are blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Let's look together at the seventh commandment, and we'll read this together. You shall not steal. We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Let's pray together. O Lord, you give us your stern commandments, and Lord, we ask that you would help us to see those places in our lives where we have transgressed against your law. And give us hearts, Lord, that love your law, according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we might gladly do your will. These things we pray because of Jesus our Lord. Amen. A few things we can point out as we look at the seventh commandment is that God cares about our stuff. He cares about the materials that we have and that we use in this life. He's not, uh, he doesn't just think about spiritual things, right? Immaterial things, but he, he, he cares about what we have, our possessions. Uh, we've looked at the commandments, beginning with the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to honor and respect his name and not use it in vain, uh, to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then we looked at the way we interact with one another. We should honor our parents. Uh, we should respect our lives, our bodies. We should respect and honor marriage and family. And now we see we should respect and honor uh, the things that God has given to us. And so these commandments kind of go in order. There's a logic to them uh, that we need stuff to care for our families, to care for our bodies, to care for our neighbors. And so the Lord graciously gives us the ability to care for stuff and the ability to own things. So we can say right off the bat that um, apparently the Lord allows us to have possessions, and he's protecting that in our lives, or else he wouldn't say, do not steal. And so any, any ideology in this world that says it's not okay to own things is not correct. And certainly uh, some Christians even have tried to say that over the years, that uh, the point of Christianity is just to give up all things and to live in poverty. But here we have this command from God uh, not to steal. And so apparently it's okay to own things in this life. God gives us stewardship over possessions. And so for that reason, we're not supposed to steal other people's things that God has given to them. This means that God is very interested in our relationships to one another and the way that we interact with our neighbors in the things that we have. Um, I think there's a, uh, a tendency in Christianity today to compartmentalize. We have our business life over here, where we deal with things and numbers and money, and we have our Christian life over here, where we de- deal with prayers and immaterial things. And we tend to compartmentalize the two ideas, right? They're separate from one another. But God's having none of that. That God is Lord over all things, including our possessions and including the way that we trade and uh, use those possessions that he has given to us. And so those are just some, some thoughts to begin. 
God cares for our things, and he gives us ownership over possessions. So he says, do not steal. Have you ever had something stolen from you? I remember the first year that um, we went to seminary. We had completed uh, college uh, here at Concordia in Seward, and we went to seminary two years later after that. And about halfway through the semester, it was still football season, after a football game, or was, we were watching a football game on Sunday afternoon, and I thought, you know, I better go and study at the library and get ready for my quiz in the morning. And so I went from my apartment to go and get in my Jeep Cherokee and drive to the seminary to study at the library, and it wasn't there. And I had a moment where I thought, I am about 95% sure I parked my Jeep right there. And sure enough, it was not there. And now thinking back at that moment, I had seen someone walking around my apartment complex that I had never seen before and didn't know. And there's really no reason to walk around the windows where he was walking. And so it seemed a little suspicious. But sure enough, uh, he had stolen my Jeep, actually a Jeep that had been given to us. And when we're, you're kind of like a, a poor student, you know, there's not a lot of income coming in. This is one of our prized possessions. We had taken this Jeep across country to a, a friend's wedding in Long Island, New York. Uh, it had been a stable companion for us and a way that we got into many adventures. And now it was gone. And so that hurts. And it represented a lot of work, a lot of labor to obtain that vehicle. It had been a gift to us uh, from Megan's parents. And so all of that labor, all of that energy that went into uh, that resource for us had now been taken from us. And it hurt. It felt like a huge violation. Uh, it really pushed into us this reality that it's not okay to steal. When we think about the commandment, we can think about this commandment in two ways, things that we do, those things that we offend, and the things that we don't do. So, so some things that we do or that things that God is speaking against is just theft, like I just mentioned. Another one is fraud, and we saw a little bit of that in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was a, a miraculous healing from Elisha the prophet for Naaman the leper. And then uh, the servant of Elisha said, you know what, I think I have, um, I have a good idea. I'll just go run after him and tell him he owes us some money and some clothes, some nice clothes, uh, even though nothing like that had been said from Elisha. And so he sought to profit off of someone else's miracle without reason, right? But this, of course, had terrible uh, results for him who contracted leprosy himself as justice from God. But people try to get ahead in any way that they can. Certainly, you've, uh, people have attempted to get a hold of you and ask for your money wrongfully. And some of us in this congregation, I know, have been taken advantage of and had their possessions stolen by fraud. There's extortion as well. Extortion is when you uh, use power to extract money from somebody. Uh, wrongfully. And this is what Zacchaeus was likely involved in. As a tax collector, he could kind of set the bill as high as he wanted to, and whatever he charged above uh, the tax that was required 
uh, from Rome, he would get to keep. And so likely he would charge too much money and extort people with his position of power and take from them. So the Lord is against all of these things. And then there's things that we leave undone as humans. Some of the things like not being faithful at work. And I think uh, this one probably stings more than it used to uh, with the advent of social media. Even as I was trying to put together this sermon for our hearing today, it's hard not to be distracted at work, isn't it? And I was convicted again and again that oh, I'm also doing this, not being faithful, not using my time uh, perfectly. A recent study uh, showed that people get distracted at work every 10.5 minutes, and that it takes them an average of 23 minutes to return to the task that they intended to be in. And that same study kind of extrapolated those, those numbers and figured that due to social media and distractions at work, there's a loss of $650 billion in the United States annually. If you kind of break that down a little closer, we could say if you're getting paid $20 an hour to do a job, but you spend 30 minutes distracted on social media, you've just stolen $10 from your employer. And of course, if you are making much more money than that, you're of great, in greater guilt because you've stolen more money. This is the kind of thing that uh, Paul was talking about in the letter to the Thessalonians, there were some people who thought that Jesus was going to come back tomorrow, and so they quit their jobs. They, they weren't producing anything. They didn't uh, get into the work that they needed to, and they were just kind of freeloading on the Christian community and just kind of banking on the fact that Jesus will come back and all things will be well and I don't have to work another day in my life. And Paul has to uh, strongly correct them. Uh, saying, if you will not work, you will not eat. And so that's another way that we can steal, is not doing what is called of us to do. Another way that we could steal is by not using our resources in a godly way. Uh, behind this is that God has entrusted to us goods. We're stewards. Uh, the things that we have are not ultimately ours, but gifts for us to use for the sake of others. And so often we use them in only selfish ways. Uh, we don't think about the godly use of our resources. We rather think about what we would like to have. And we're hyper-focused on those things. And this happens to each one of us. Another is just simply not paying what is owed. This would be, uh, especially in the case of an employer, not giving their employees what, is what they are worth and kind of extorting them in that way, or not paying a contractor after he has done his job for you. These things happen all too often. Martin Luther said this was the, the most broken commandment in the world, and that if we actually tried to deal with this commandment, we would run out of rope to hang people. Of course, he has his way of saying things. But nonetheless, uh, theft and stealing is common to this world. It runs rampant in our lives and in the lives around us, and it does tremendous damage against God's creation and against our neighbors. If we think a little harder about this, we can think about what virtues and what vices 
are behind and underneath uh, this command not to steal. So what does God want from us? What would he like our hearts to be like? He wants us to be filled with generosity. Uh, He is a generous God. He is the giver of every gift. And so he desires for us to have hearts that reflect his, to give freely as well, not to hold our blessings with a closed fist, but with an open hand, and to give freely to others, and also to live a life that's dedicated to service of others. We don't work simply for ourselves, to gain for ourselves, but we work to build other people up. And so that's what he wants us to be like. And he doesn't want us to be filled with greed, um, only thinking about our own needs, and he doesn't want us to be people who are lazy, uh, freeloading off of other people and not caring about their plight. Even when we, God has given us the ability to be productive. And so the Lord wants us to live these hearts of generosity and service. And of course, we know, uh, we know that we cannot obtain this heart with simply the law being preached to us. Um, we could be told a thousand times, be generous, but that would not make us generous people. We could be told a hundred times, stop being lazy, but that would not make us uh, faithful workers. Instead, what do we need in our lives? We need, of course, the gospel. Beautiful image of this in our text today was when the Lord Jesus came to Zacchaeus, this notorious traitor, this sinner, this extorter of other people's goods. He came in to dwell with him. He generously became his friend. And Zacchaeus' heart was changed. And he went from being from one who extorts other people to one who gives away half his possessions. He had too much. And he said, if I have uh, defrauded anyone, I should pay them back fourfold. That in contact with the Lord Jesus and his mercy, Zacchaeus' heart was changed. He, became a, he went from being a scoundrel in the community to one who graciously gives what he has. What's behind these things, greed and laziness? What's ultimately the source? I think if we uh, think carefully about this, it's really fear of death. Look with me into Hebrews chapter 2. I think about this verse a lot. Um, Paul, or the, the author of Hebrews says this, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through, through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What causes people to be greedy and self-centered? What if death itself was gone? If death itself was gone, would people feel like they needed to hoard things so that their lives would be better? Would they feel like they had to scoop their resources together so that they didn't lose out? If you knew that you were going to live forever, that the Lord would raise you from death to life, that the Lord would never let you fall permanently, and you no longer feared death, What would be the point of your possessions at that point? Would you be so fixated on storing up wealth for the future? 
Would you be so fearful of losing out or losing your job? Would you be so fearful about what you would eat or what you would drink or what you would wear? I think greed really stems from this fear of death, this reality of our mortality. And here, the author of Hebrews is saying that the Lord Jesus has delivered us from the slavery to these things. We do not have to be enslaved to the fear of death, which causes people to be greedy and selfish as a way of life. Uh, a good picture that might help us think about this a little bit more is, I've used this before, but think about if you were on an ocean-going trip, you were on a boat that was going to go across the ocean, you got stranded in the middle of the ocean, and people are panicking, right? Naturally, people are panicking, and what are the first things you do if you're in that situation with a whole bunch of other people on a boat with limited resources? Well, you immediately, if you're smart, you go and find those resources and you start to hoard them. You start to make sure that you and yours will be cared for in the case of that emergency. Right? That's kind of the logical thing you must do. But imagine that some people on the ship heard that rescue was coming, that there was a boat nearby, and in fact this was a cruise ship, had tons of food on it, tons of gourmet food, the best food you can think of, and they were coming to pick you up, and they had plenty of room for everyone on board. Now you know that soon it will go from famine to feast. Soon you will not be in any danger whatsoever. Instead, you're going to be on a pleasure cruise. Well, how does that change your mindset about what's happening? Are you any more uh, obsessed about making sure your safety is, is cared for? Are you violent and angry in order to get what you need, what you deserve? Or, as you hear this, are you filled with joy? And your task then, instead of becoming hoarding things for yourself, becomes ensuring that everyone knows that rescue is coming and everyone has what they need to make it through. Do you see, if you know that you're okay, if you know that rescue is coming, it changes your entire operation. It changes it, your entire priorities. You don't have to be obsessed about getting yourself into security. Security is coming for you. And so you can now be someone who lifts other people up and causes people to be at peace as they are waiting. And so it is with us and our possessions. Can you put yourself in this life into a position not of anxiety and fear about what you have, but of security and knowing that the Lord Jesus is coming with rescue for you and for all creation. Do you know that you are the inheritor of eternal life, that you are a co-inheritor of all creation with Jesus Christ according to his promise, that you're the richest person in the room because of what Jesus has promised to you, and your future is completely secure because of his payment on the cross for your life and his mighty resurrection. That that's your future. Can you put that into your reality so that you no longer have to be so obsessed with securing your future? You no longer have to be obsessed with having your stuff all to yourself, but you are able to also make sure that everyone knows this 
and that everyone is secure and cared for until he returns. It changes everything that we think what we're doing with our things. Remember what Jesus has said to you. Jesus says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. You see, you have a Father through Jesus Christ who cares for your every need, who knows your every need. He will not let you go poor. He will not let you starve. He will care for you as a father does. Do you have to be so fearful about what you have? Of course not. Jesus says very poignantly in just a few words as only Jesus is able to do, he says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give, give away, than to receive. How can that possibly be the truth? This is only a true statement from Jesus. If you believe the gospel, if you believe, it's more blessed to give because everything has been already given to you. It's more blessed to give because you are tapped into eternity in Jesus Christ because you have been given eternal life in his name and everything that goes along with it, all creation. Therefore, there's not really any sense in just receiving if you already have all things. And therefore, it is more blessed to give away, to make sure that your neighbor has what they need, uh, to make sure that others are lifted up with the possessions that you have. That's more blessed because that's more like the God that you serve. Uh, Jesus, of course, gave up everything for us on the cross, 100% of what he had, what he owned in this life. His, his clothes were taken from him. He had no money. His body and life were stolen from him. He gave them away for our sake. And we who see Jesus and see what he has done for us, we get to be, like this little picture uh, depicts, little Christ's. We get to be people like Jesus, filled with self-giving love, who give away, who give away, who give away, who give ourselves as Christ has given to us. We can be signposts to the world that we are tapped in to the greatest wealth of all creation, the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is ours and we are his. And therefore, we can be conduits of blessing for those people around us because we are in Christ, because we are in the gospel. And so two convictions really come from understanding our possessions in this light. One is that my life is completely provided for by God in Christ. God has given me every single thing that I have in this life. He has given me his son, Jesus Christ. Will he let me starve? Will he be stingy to me anymore as they've seen this? And then two, I am a steward of God's gifts for the sake of others. One practice that I think would be useful for you in your life is whatever you use to pay for things in your life, your wallets, your money, every time you put that in your pocket, just remember, this is not mine. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then put it in your pocket. 
You're a steward. You're someone who takes care of God's creation, God's possessions. Everything belongs to him. And so every time you grab onto your wallet, your credit card, whatever it is, this is not mine. This is God's. I am a steward for the sake of other people. Well, a few weeks after our Jeep had been stolen, they found it. It had been taken far away, maybe 50 miles away to a neighboring uh, city. And it had been crashed into a stop sign. And unfortunately, the sign had crunched down onto the top of the Jeep. And if you know anything about Jeeps, uh, they're not easy to repair if the, the top gets broken. And so it was totaled. Our beautiful Jeep was totaled, uh, never to return again to its former glory. And we had to uh, sell it to the insurance and walk away. Thankfully, a few weeks after that, of course, we were sad and depressed about it and scraping money together and fearful and anxious. Um, But a few weeks after that, we got a call from a man in Florida. We had never met this person. He was a young man, and he had had a traumatic brain injury. Apparently, he was at a friend's wedding, and he tried to do a backflip on the dance floor, and he had hit his head really, really hard. And that it caused him to, to have uh, difficulty with balance, and he could no longer drive. But he had heard that some seminary students had had a Jeep stolen. And so he called us up and said, hey, I have this Chevy Impala. I can't drive it anymore. Do you guys want it? And so, speechless, eventually I said yes. And I took a flight down to Florida, and I got a, brand, uh, a car. It wasn't brand new, but it worked just fine. Just given to me. Keys just dropped in my hand, and I drove it back to St. Louis where we were studying. And I thought in that moment how foolish it was to be so filled with anxiety And also just how wonderful our God is and how wonderful his people are as they're doing what God has called them to do, to look out for the needs of others. Of course, I just felt like I had been the recipient of winning the lottery. But really, it was just that my God was taking care of me, just as he takes care of you and everyone in this world. Let's honor him by using our stuff in the way that shows forth Christ. Let's try to do that today and for the rest of our days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particularly useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.